0: we've been talking about the forgotten and uh one of the things that we want to talk about today we want to continue in this thought we talked about all the statistics many of the statistics of the things that are happening in our world today and there's a lot going on a lot happened again this week in our world and it just shows the condition of our world and we've got to keep praying that chronicles prayer lord Forgive us of our sins and heal our land. You know, Lord, if you will seek me and pray to me, forsake your sins, I will heal your land. So we, the church, have got to keep praying. Lord was on target today. We've got to keep praying, church. We've got to keep praying for this uh, revival to take place. And look up the word revive. It, It just basically means to change and come back. Revive us to what we used to be. Go back to that first love in Revelations chapter 2. It's getting back to where we used to be in God. That's what revival means. We can't try to make something be that uh, what we think revival is. It can only be one thing, getting back to where we were, to our walk with God, to that, that time that we were on fire for God, and we weren't afraid, and we weren't ashamed, and we did it. We, we can't let the pressures of this world and the stuff that's going on in this world. Today, when I came down here, I passed Federica, they have that big, huge uh, soccer field. Chris, you see that all the time when you go down the road. And today, there was hundreds. They had to add on a new parking lot in that development, in that complex, a new parking lot. Because uh, on Sunday uh, mornings, I'm coming down the road, at 830, and it is hundreds of cars. And the only thing I can think of it, Lord, how many of these people don't know you? How many of these people are putting kids' sports ahead of God? It, it, we we lost families in our church over the years when summer came because they got them in all these sports programs. Uh, there was flag football, there was soccer, there was baseball. And then I heard there was ballet classes for kids on Sunday morning. Why Sunday morning? Why Why not do it? Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Why does it always have to be during church time? And this this huge pendulum has changed. It's changed our society. Just the sporting world has changed our society. Nonetheless, the other stuff. Well, uh, part of the forgotten is we got into religion last week. We're explaining that we gave you a definition of what is religion and what is religious and what is Christian. And I think we have to get to a place where we ask ourselves, who are we? who are we what are we and go from there so i want to pick up with the storyline of cornelius in acts chapter 10 so if you can go to acts chapter 10 in your bible or if you prefer to use the phone for your bible because it's got bigger print go for it that's that's the that i read the bible from the my phone because of the print i can make it big <laughs> And these eyes need big print. Uh, So anyways, it's Acts chapter 10, and we'll we'll look at verse 22. Well, actually, we're going to look at verse 21 and and read through 22. Then we're going to drop down to 30. So so Peter, this is where the storyline where uh, Peter has been visited by God through an angel with challenging him to get up and go beyond the Jewish people and start working with the Gentiles. That's basically what this was about. So Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Because Peter had already gotten himself prepared for that God was going to use him. The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man. Please note those two phrases. He's a righteous and a godly man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. So, let's drop down to verse 30. Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. So, God has heard your prayer, Cornelius. God has heard your prayer. Look at these four things. He prays. He gives gifts to the poor. He's a righteous man. He's a God-fearing man. What would you call that today? Hmm? we call that a Christian. Okay. So he says, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent four... I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accept those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. Who is Lord of all. Now, here's something interesting. Praying man, God-fearing man, helps the poor, righteous man, all right? Why is Period being sent to Cornelius, if this is the case? Because he was a religious man in the right way, but he was not a Christian. Very interesting. All right? You say, wait a minute now, Pastor. He's a praying man. He's a righteous man. He helps the poor. He's a God-fearing man. How can that not be Christian? Because there is one thing he hadn't done yet. Imagine today how many religious people are going to churches in America and around the world that are not going to make the rapture when Jesus comes. But they have been fed a lie in the pulpits around the world in america that if you do good works and you do things right you will go to heaven i have never been to a funeral yet (laughs) and i've been to a lot of i've done oh boy i can't imagine how many i've done a lot of funerals and i have yet to go to a funeral where any minister or anyone speaking had anybody in hell They were all, I mean, all of them were in heaven. Because one of the biggest deceptive lies we have in our society today is to believe that if you do good things, good deeds, and you live a good life, that you are going to make it to heaven. But you should be asking me a question. You should be saying, Pastor, I want proof that he was not a Christian. Thank you for asking me that. Let's go to Acts 11 verses 11 through 18, actually 11, verses 11 through 18, and pay very close attention to what's being read. Um, if you're a speed reader, you might as well quit reading your Bible. If you are a take-your-time reader, keep reading the Bible as you go in the Lord. If you're a speed reader, unless God has given you a super ability to remember every uh, dot and tittle that you've read, then praise God, uh, go for it. But speed readers don't learn much from the Bible. All they can say is, I read my Bible today. Folks, we've got to do more than read our Bibles. We've got to read carefully what we're reading. So right, listen. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. Peter is explaining his actions to his friends and overseers and those that he worked with. Verse 12. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation uh, about going, to, going with them These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who was called Peter. Listen to this. He will bring you a message to which you and all your household will be saved. They weren't Christians. His household wasn't Christians, they were religious. They were religious. And they went along with the good deeds. A lot of religions have good deeds. They do good deeds all the time around the world and in our country and in our local communities. A lot of churches do good, they feed the poor, they care for the poor, they do all kinds of wonderful things. But that doesn't make you Christian. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as it had on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So. If God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could not stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, listen to this phrase, even to the Gentiles, God has granted what? Repentance and leads that leads to life. You can do the greatest things in the world all you want. But, friends, if we don't repent, Laura, thank you. As she spoke today, if we do not repent, we are in trouble. Even with all the good things that we've done, we're in trouble. I'm going to give you another example. I think you got the point, but let me give you another example because it helps to bring clarity and, and support. Go to Acts 16. Acts chapter sixteen verses eleven through fifteen. Acts sixteen eleven through fifteen, and the story of Lydia, the maker of purple. Um, and uh, thank you, my brother. Boy, he's fast back there. Don't 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 get rid of this guy in the sound booth. Verse 11, from Torres we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of uh, district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth she was a worshiper of God, she was a what? A worshiper of God, okay? Now, if, if let's just talk practical, if I'm out walking down the street or I'm at a restaurant someplace and I'm talking to somebody and I say, so do you know the Lord? Oh, I'm a worshiper of God, yes, yes, I'm a worshiper of God. We would be done with them. We would think, okay, let's move on. How many times have we been how many times have we let an opportunity slip through our fingers because they were using the, 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 the terminology of scripture that we're familiar with? Well, I believe in God. That's in the Bible, you know. Yeah, I worship God. That's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I help the poor. Yeah, that's in the Bible. You see, boy, they, these people are living the word. and We go on about our business and we have no clue. Maybe we need to ask them one question. And by the way, when I would work with people and witnessing to them, and still do, I make it sound like it's past tense now because I'm retired. Oh no, I'm just refired. And what I found is that when I would ask a person to give me a date and a moment in time, did you, when did you invite Jesus into your heart? I was amazed of how many could not give me a date or time or a memory. They couldn't give it to me. That was the giveaway. You are a religious person. You are not a Christian. Remember, I told you last week there going only be one definition of Christian in the world. There's only one definition of Christian in the world. Only one. The, and here's what it says. And this is I pray I pray all the time for people. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. What's some key words here? The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, what does that mean? That means she had got she had has gotten saved. She invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, so now she's a believer. She's not just a religious person, but a believer. She said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. She was a worshiper of God. Her religion? Well, probably a convert convert to Judaism. Uh, To be in Judaism, you uh, uh, comprise uh, the collective religious and cultural uh, and legal traditions and practices of the people that day. So in Jewish day, they would have had a, a culture of, of worshiping God through Judaism, practicing good things, good deeds through Judaism, and through what the Jews stood for and what the Jews believed in of that day. And that's what it is like today. How many people today really believe that, that they are Jews, believe that you know, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come, they're not going to realize that until the, the middle of the seven-year tribulation period. That's when the Jews are going to realize, oh my goodness, the Messiah had come. Because when Antichrist sets himself up as the Christ, the Jews are going to go along with Antichrist. They're going to submit to Antichrist. They're going to do what Antichrist wants to do because they think he's the, now the final coming of the Messiah they've been waiting for. And they're going to realize, we missed it. He's already come. This is not the true Messiah. And that's when all is going to happen against Israel. And, and again, if you've been listening to the news, it's all, and the Old Testament talks about it all the time, it's being, set, in revelation, it's being set up right now. The nations around Israel are getting stronger against them. And it's, it's just a matter of time now for the re- revelation of that Antichrist to move in during that tribulation period when it comes. It's all being set up. Now, what does the Bible say about all of this? For by grace are you saved through faith, not unto yourselves. For by grace are you saved through faith, not unto yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Lest man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But it is a gift of God through Jesus Christ. Lest we become so self-reserved, so self-confident, so self-fulfilled that we don't think we need God. And, and when you get into the religious world, uh, uh, they're, they're not thinking like that. You know, they they think they're doing everything they're supposed to do. That's what they've been taught in pulpits of America, folks. You, you just go out there and do those good works, and that's your salvation. You're going to make it. You're going to be dead. But that is a lie. You, you talk about a, a lie from hell. That is a lie straight from hell. Yes. And we know who's the... They, one's the hell. <laughs> Satan. It's a lie from Satan. Who, who's who's going to reach these forgotten people? Who's going to reach these forgotten people? It's going to get bad as the days progress. And uh, uh, God is working. Laura hit it on the nail again today. <laughs> God is working by His Spirit. And we celebrate the work that God has done and that God is doing. But what more can we be doing as a church to reach the masses? One of the things that Jesus did in the New Testament is he preached to the thousands. And he preached to the Nicodemus' types behind the scenes at night when Nicodemus came to Christ. He ministered to the one, and he ministered to the thousands and all the numbers in between. There was a total care there was a total vision. There was a total understanding of what, the, of what Jesus role modeled for us to do today. It, this is a mass meeting, but then we work with people one-on-one at work or out on the, in the marketplace somewhere. As we take an opportunity to work with somebody one-on-one to drop a seed, to plant a seed so that God can work in their lives. So, religion, religious, Christian, which are we? I believe in all three. As long as I'm Christian first and foremost. Because being born again and raised in an Assembly of God church did not save me. I actually know people who think because they were raised in the church, they automatically thought they were saved. But listen to this. Once someone explained it to them, Prior to someone explaining what salvation was, they thought they were. My wife and I, we sang a lot together, and uh, we, were, we traveled choir together in Bible school, and we've sang together for years. In fact, one year in Olivet, Michigan, where I pastored, we took a, a uh, cantata. Anybody know what a cantata is? It's a book about this thick of music, and with four parts, alto, soprano, bass, and tenor. Well, my wife and I, in this little small church in Olivet, Michigan, of about 30 people, we we sang a cantata, the entire cantata, with just two parts. <laughs> it was so neat. So we sang, and we sing, we were singing at this wedding in, in uh, I think, was it in Jersey? Or Pennsylvania, while in Bible school, we were invited to sing as a couple at a wedding. So while I'm at this church, uh, I'm talking to this young man. Come to find out, the young man is the pastor's son of the church that we're having the wedding in. And so I thought, well, well this is neat. So we got to talking, and, and I got on the subject of salvation with him, because I wanted to see if he was saved. Here's what he said. "As dad's the pastor of the church. He says, I have never heard that word before. I said, you, you haven't heard, I had to compose myself. You haven't heard what word salvation is and what it means, no. So I had the opportunity that day before the wedding practice started to talk him about Christ. It was a religious church. It wasn't a Christian church. We have thousands of religious churches. Thousands of religious churches that aren't Christian churches. Got to hope and pray there's Christians in that church to help get the news out to them. But being raised in a Christian church, not just a religious church, did not save me either. I was in a Christian church, spirit-filled church. I mean, you, you, you talk about saying that services. When you walked in, you felt the power of God hit you in the face when you opened <laughs> the doors of the sanctuary. And you knew, well, we're not going to get home early tonight. And that was okay, because uh, I always told people, I grew up around the altar. I grew up around the altar. I spent hours around the altar, not maybe hours every night, but over the years, hours and hours. Some nights it was hours. Get home at 11, 1130 at night, you know, because what God was doing around the altar. I mean, it just, it was like, the, you went to church, you, you went to the altar. By the way, let me encourage you. When we're here worshiping Sunday morning, you, you all can come down here and stand, right, board. They can come down here and stand and worship the Lord. You don't have to wait to be called down. You, if you wanna come down here and worship God and pray uh, uh, during the worship service, do it. Do it, you have that right. Right, folks? You, you know what we do in our church at Calvary. We always have people at the altar praying and, and wanting to be prayed for or praying and seeking the Lord. You do what you need to do to connect with God. There's nothing wrong with that. But being raised in a Christian church not just a religious church with religious convictions, did not save me. Being raised in a Christian home did not save me. I was four years old. My mom and I went to visit a church. They heard there was going to be special services. We went to that church. We loved our church. We had a great church, great teaching. But this, they always liked to go to church, so we went to a church one night. I'm standing there, and the preacher's talking about there would be two in the bed. One would be taken, one would be left. There'll be two in the field of work, and one will be taken and one will be left. And as a four year old boy, I just stood there trembling in fear. And I said, and my little heart said to God, I remember this vividly to this day. I said, Lord, I don't want to be left behind. So I looked up at my mom, I looked up at my dad. Someone go to the altar. I told him. Both mom and dad on both sides want me to the altar. And that was the night I gave my heart to the Lord. And then I was, excuse me. Oh, I thought you said something. No, I just said wow. Oh, 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 okay, I'm sorry. I thought you had something to add. N- nothing wrong with that. I just thought you did apologize, brother. And, uh, but I, and I remembered that day ever since then. And I would even, on Sunday nights at our church, if we'd start singing, there was a song in the book called He Cometh. And when that song would be sung, I would, I'd start getting filled and convicted, and I'd rededicate the Lord put me on this, not just salvation path, but this rededication path. And folks, I'm 73 years old, and I still rededicate my life. I, I, I still say, Lord, help me to be ready. I still pray that way. I, 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 I know by faith I'm saved. According to Hebrews, I entered into the, his eternal rest. As soon as I got saved, I entered into his eternal rest. But I know that I still need to come and consecrate and reconsecrate, dedicate and rededicate myself. I do not take anything lightly when it comes to being ready when the Lord comes. I want to make sure I'm always ready. And I, I, I do feel I'm ready, but I, I just, that's, that's how I was raised. That's how I am. That's the way my DNA works. I just say, Lord, I rededicate my life to you again today. And there's another reason for that rededication. I'm available, God. I want to be used by you, God. So, what I learned at the age of four, and I had the privilege of leading all three of my kids to the Lord before the age of six. Between four and five, I led all three of my kids personally to the Lord. I didn't wait for church service. I didn't wait for this, I didn't wait for that. I took care of it and under our, on our home. I felt that was my responsibility. And by the way, all three of them were ready for this prayer. I didn't say, Aaron, Ryan, Renee, I didn't do this separately with them, come here. Okay, pray with me, okay? We're gonna get saved today. All right, go pray, have fun. It was nothing like that, nothing. Uh, d- just one example, if you don't mind, Ryan and I, as a little boy, he was sitting on my lap, and we were watching a, a production of Easter on TV. We, our church had just done a production. And so we were resting on a Sunday afternoon, and we were watching an Easter play on TV. And Ryan asked me one question. Daddy, why is there blood coming from his side? And I took time and saw an opportunity. I said, Ryan, that is Jesus shedding his blood for us so that we could know him as our Savior. So I explained the whole story to him again. And I said, Ryan, would would you like to accept Jesus in your heart? Yeah, Daddy. So we prayed a prayer of repentance. Each one of my children, we had a storyline behind why I chose to pray with them at that time. But I also knew it was important to get our kids saved at a young age so that they don't get the grip of the world on them. They have the grip of God on them at a young age to protect them. And I want to tell you folks, you, some of you folks who think you don't have a powerful testimony because, well, I got saved at a young age. And you know I hear about the motorcycle guys, Hells Angels. They come on TV. And I remember one time hearing a Hells Angel on, uh, I don't know if it was one of those famous TV shows, talk shows, Christian shows. I don't know if it was Sound Hard Club or what this hell's angel was saying yeah i'm the worst sinner of all and god saved me and i sat there going no no nah. you were a sinner you were probably bad but paul said i was the chiefest of all sinners i said we're gonna let paul have that title <laughs> you know the man who went around happened to make sure christians were killed and martyred and put in prison you know, and lived a really bad life, you know. So uh, we're going to let Paul have that title since he said that, and uh, we're just along the journey. But let me tell you something. Those of you that got saved at a young age and you were spared from that stuff in the world, you have one powerful testimony. Let me tell you, you've got a powerful testimony. So please don't go out and do some gross sin so you can get saved again, so you can say... Well, I was you. And then you start the storyline of how bad you were. You know what we like to hear? Uh, How good God is in your life. Not how bad you were. But how good is God in you today? And so, folks, I learned at a young age, I had just as much of a powerful testimony as the hell's angel who claimed he had the best salvation you could have. Because I didn't go into all that stuff. God spared me. And I'm grateful for that. But where would I be today if that happened? had happened. And today my son runs our public school, our private school with three hundred and eighty kids. My son other son runs the church and my daughter just got her uh, just got a four point out average in family therapy out in Colorado Springs as a Christian counselor. And they're all serving the Lord. They didn't get stuck in that other stuff thank God. I'm not saying they weren't tempted and tried. Who knows what my kids did? That and I, Mom and I don't know yet, but they might have tried something. Who knows? But God knows. But God kept them because they would, would come back to the Lord. So, only as I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior did I become a Christian. Only then. Which put me by being raised into the Assemblies of God religion, where I now can live my life religiously through my convictions that's based on God's word. Did you see how all three of those work together? All right? By being raised into the Assemblies of God religion, because it is a religion, it's a, we call ourselves, by the way, we call ourselves uh, a, what's called Voluntary Cooperative Church. We voluntarily cooperate with the Assemblies of God, all right? That's, how, that's the theory behind the Assemblies of God. So we are a religion based where I now can live my life very religiously through my convictions based on God's word because religiosity had to do with the practice of my Christian walk. So be careful when people start blasting religion, when they try to condemn it, no. Religion is a good thing. Re- living religiously out of conviction is a good thing as long as everything is based on God's word, seeing ourselves as a Christian. So let me show you one thing and then we're going to close. Let me show you Acts 17. If we can go to Acts 17, this may not, I don't, I don't know if I had this in your notes or not. Acts 17, 21 through 23. 21 through 23. Acts 17, 21 through 23. Once again, I want you to, to listen carefully as this is being read. And and then we'll go to uh, verses 24 through 31. So really all together. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to start. Acts 17, 21. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listen to the latest ideas. This is when Paul's in Athens, and there's that unknown god, idol, remember? Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. They have strong practices, cultural, doctrinal, their doctrine, theirs, practices. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, objects, that's not God. That's an object. I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. (laughs) You're ignorant of what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing by worshiping this idol that you call God. All right? And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Verse 24 through 31. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. So... That idol is absolutely worthless. You know what? There's an awful lot of things that we do in this world that are worthless. Folks, we're doing a, thing, a lot of things that are worthless. Some things are necessary. Some things are, 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 are there. Life is life. Matter is matter. It, it's there. And, but a lot of things are worthless. All right? And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. So what's Paul saying? This idol is worthless. I'm just letting you know who this God is that you have as an idol. He's explaining who he is. It's beautiful, isn't it? Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. Don't look at this as the divine being, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising them from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. We want to hear you again on this subject. What a beautiful Description of God he gave these people. Hey, you know this unknown God you got here? Did you see how that door was opened? Do you know, I'm being practical with you, there's so many open doors we have every day of our lives. It takes just one thing a person says. One little thing a person says opens the door to plant a seed. It doesn't take much. Paul's just walking around. He's visiting Athens. He sees this God, the unknown God, idol. And he basically, in a nutshell, says this in a loving, diplomatic way. Of course, we weren't there. We don't know if he was hard hit. We don't know. We just know that he got through and because, by the way, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. A few days later, it grew to five thousand. Eighteen 18 times in the book of Acts, it says he added to the church those that were being saved, 18 times. This was a soul-winning church in those days. And so Paul says, let me help you here. This God you're talking about isn't the real God. Let me tell you about the real God. And that's what he does. There are a lot of people who think that they are Christians because they do good works and perhaps live a very moral life even, feels like life is okay, so much so, and that I have good works to prove it. And therefore, they believe they'll be in heaven. But that is not what a Christian is. It's what a Christian should do, all these good things. But that's not what a Christian is. You have to receive Jesus. Folks, you know what the most powerful weapon you have in your arsenal? You ready? The most powerful weapon God has on earth to evangelize Selbyville and the surrounding community. Ready for this? Really? Your personal testimony. When I'm out there, I I talk testimony. I don't talk church doctrine. I don't talk church labels, names. Uh, If they want to know where I go to church, I don't mind telling them at all. I'm out there sharing my testimony, how good God is. Do you know that you can walk up to somebody and ask one simple question? (laughs) Ready? Hey, what do you think about God today? You hear so many things. That's all you have to ask. And boy, that gets the ball rolling. It'll get the ball rolling. But we can't be afraid to do this today, folks. Because the world, at its worst, must have the church at its best. And this is the best time to be doing it because the world is getting worse. All right? So next week, we'll probably close out this uh, series so I don't have to skip a week because I won't be here the week after that. And that, that way we can keep the thoughts together for you. Uh, the Lord has given me a very strong word for you next week. Next week is not a good week to go on vacation. If you can wait one more day, go on Monday instead of Sunday, the Lord has a very strong word for you. And uh, we're, we're, we're we're going to talk strong next week. All right? I don't know. I personally think every message is strong where I come from. But the Lord has given me a word for you, a story in the Bible for this church. We're going we're gonna to step out in faith and we're going to hit it. You have right now 49 deaths in Sussex County in the obituary in Sussex County as of today. 49 obituaries. That doesn't mean that all happened in one day, but in the span of whoever, however long they put them in there, you are currently at 49 deaths in Sussex County. The first question I asked myself You know what it was, don't you? How many of these 49 people were saved? Because whatever took their life, they just have no clue what they entered into. I just hope, I wish I could say all 49 were saved. I just don't know. But I believe that when we look at the condition of our world today and how many I don't worry about, and I don't spend time trying to figure out how you died. I'm worried about were you prepared for death? That's what I'm concerned about. How do we prepare for death? So we're going to talk about that. Now, to get us rolling, I uh, reached out to... uh, Shell Phillips School, Elementary School. And I called them. This, uh, well, two weeks ago, I was here for the afternoon. And so I was doing some exploring, mm-hmm. gathering some opportunities. And uh, I called the school, and uh, St- Stephanie answered the phone. She answered the phone, I said, whoa, 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 this ain't a God thing. How cool is this? We're already in the front door, we have having even started because she's in the front door working. And we, this little light of mine, there's that light already in the school. And uh, so I talked with Stephanie. She hooked me up to talk to somebody. So, But you know, when I first called the school, uh, when, I, when I called, there's, you know how when you call a business, for so-and-so push one, for so-and-so push two, right? We, Stephanie, you can't say this. Would anybody like to guess what the first response was on the phone if you push one? Would anybody like to guess what it was? Hmm? And this will tell you the condition of our schools. This will tell you the condition of our society. This This will tell you why we need to get into that school. Ready? Mental health. Now, I ran that by a graduate on family, you know, graduating on, in counseling and mental health. Uh, we're, our church is training 10, 10 people to be in the ministry. My son Ryan and I are training 10 people to be in ministry, uh, a small group that showed interest to be in full-time ministry. And one is the wife of a guy who's in the class. She's got a degree in mental health. When I mentioned that to the group and to her, She was like, she was stunned as well. But she said, that is how bad. She concurred. That's how bad it is for our kids today. Folks, really? And I think by the third button, I think it said counselor. Well, I finally got through to the counselor and talked with the counselor. And they gave me a list uh, through Stephanie. She dropped it off to me that Wednesday afternoon. She gave me a list of materials to put book bags together for the kids in the fall. So we're gonna go out on an adventure together because I don't care who comes and pastors this church. If, if a pastor doesn't want to help kids in the school, then you don't want to vote him in or her in. So don't worry about that, that's an easy, easy sell. Your new pastor will appreciate anything a church is doing. And so we're gonna tackle that with your help. And if you don't, it's gonna cost me a lot of money to do it because we're going to try to provide some book bags for the school. And Stephanie's there to help us already be the the go-to person here in the church. She's agreed to be the go-to person with questions. So uh, hopefully next week I'll have the list ready to give you all summer. Oh, you're scratching your ear now. I thought you wanted to say something. Oh, okay. When you see that hand, somebody's ready to get saved, right? So uh, I'll have that ready next week because I'll give you all summer to shop and church do you want to make it a, an influence in the community do you want to touch the administration of the school do you want to touch the teachers of the school do you want to open your door and your hearts to these kids in your school if you do take a list and build a book bag and let's deliver them in the fall so we can let our light shine and plant the seed so when they start saying some Sunday God got church and listen don't, don't, don't misunderstand. Don't, don't be worried about, the, well, should we be talking about our, our church? Yeah. I'm still waiting for you all to get Selbyville shirt wear so that there's 40 of you walking around town where it says Selbyville Assembly of God. And get the right, folks, you're missing opportunities. You can, you can be advertised at a place where people can find hope and love and joy and peace that could change their life. Why do we fight against ourselves? Let's do that, church. Let's do that. I had somebody ask me. So all may know. In the community, they didn't go to a church. Why do you wear that shirt? So that people will know the Lord. <laughs> That's what Saul would know. And it opened the door. It opens doors, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to go to work. And do you know what was said of those, those religious religiosity, those religious Christians, do you know what was said about them in Acts? In Acts 17.6, it says, here come those who turn the road upside down. One transition said, here come those troublemakers. Do you know what? Let's be troublemakers. We're troubling them with the good news. We're interrupting their life to slow them down a little bit to hear the good news. That's important. So let's be those people who turn the world upside down. You know what? We don't know where God's going to send somebody. I have no clue. When I witness to somebody, try to lead them to the Lord and try to get them to go to church, I don't know where God may put them. I always say, Lord, put them in a gospel preaching church. (laughs) Lord, make sure they at least get to a church that's preaching the gospel. I don't care as long as they're preaching the gospel. Let's just get them to church. Let's get them into a small group. Let's find ways to do that. So anyways, I, I, Acts chapter 17, all right, Acts chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. Uh, oh, actually, we did read that, didn't we? Yeah, that, that's the one about, yeah, the, we read that too. That's, that, I meant to mention to, that was the weakness of religion. That, that showed you the weakness of religion. Religion can't save us is what Paul was saying to them as well. I, I got that, okay. Uh, so praise the Lord. Are you ready to take on the challenge to help plant a seed in this school? It's small. It's viable. It's an opportunity. But it will take all of us pulling our resources together. We do this yearly up in Dover. And the school could not be happier, happier. It's just near the church. It's somewhat near the church. Uh, um, can't remember the name of the school. just yet. You would know it. I can't remember. All of a sudden, mine. Do you remember it? Please. You know, so that's another opportunity, and then um, we put on the calendar. Uh, my job kind of got resolved, so. Um, but before I left, I said, "You know, hey, what about you know the the church has given to the kids? What's one little thing the kids can do?" So we decided to put on the calendar next year for the kids to do a food drive for our food bank. We have a food closet at, at yeah. church, but that's a little thing. Beautiful. Um, they, they love the relationship. There is there is a relationship building between the teachers and Cal. Yes. But we know that we can pick up Cal. I know the nurse will pick up Cal, but I need a coat. It's a little bit. I have no coat. I need, you know, whatever. And it has this third form. You know, so you see. This was of the Lord for you to be here. It was nice that you came down this weekend. I, I saw your truck was gone, so I thought, I bet you they're out in vac- But thank you. This was time of the Lord to bring confirmation. Uh, uh, Nellie, uh, the other one is Star, 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 Hill. Star Hill. We also provide for the Star Hill School. These are schools that are somewhat near the church. So, And, and, and you know what the seed is? When a teacher's in trouble, they're going to be apt to reach out too a church that has helped them personally because they know they're already got a friendship base with them. See this as a golden opportunity to explode, to explode. And everyone said amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you Lord Jesus for leading us thus far in this series of The Forgotten. Every soul matters. Every soul matters, Lord. Again, Lord, If there's just one person left to be saved in Selbyville, then everything we do is worth to reach that one. Because eternity is going to be precious for those who know you, but so horrific for those who don't. And Lord, we care that all, and you care, when you said that you wanted everyone, that you was willing for everyone to come and know you, Lord. So you desire people to know you. That's why you came. Let us help in that journey. It's now that we must do it. Not later, but now. Watch over our people. Bless them and strengthen them. Keep them safe. And when we leave here today, Lord, let us take advantage of every opportunity to let our light shine. Every little thing, every big thing, everything in the middle, all matters. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. And all God's people prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord, we love you. See you next week.